What up? All right, y'all. Welcome back to another episode of the This Is Not That podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Joanna, and I'm here with the homies. Say what's up, y'all. Ralphie, you go first. (laughs) (laughs) What do you do? This is Raphael. What's up? What's up? It's Isaiah. And we have a special guest with us. Um, Kyle, why don't you jump in and introduce yourself? How's it going, y'all? Kyle Johnson here, um, Kenosha native, uh, organizer for Block, Black Leaders Organizing for Communities. Uh, it's great to join y'all. Yay, I'm so happy to have you on, Kyle. We were just talking earlier about um, the last time we were working closely with each other was uh, when we were doing work with the fight back table and that ridiculous election um, that was like never ending. It was like months long. Oh, so it's it's good to be back in conversation with you. Um, I think that like we today's episode where well, we're you know we have our topics right, but like we always start the show off with just kind of like a shoot in the shit, like checking in with folks. Like, how was your weekend? So um, Isaiah, how was your weekend? You know, my weekend was all right. Um, my weekend was all right. I I very rarely, uh, very rare kind of circumstance. I got to see both my parents. So my dad happened to be in town and then my mom happened to be in town separately. So I had no clue. So I got to see both of them individually. And um, I almost never get to see them both in the same day or even the same week sometimes. So that was cool. And I got to take my dad down by this spot. I sit down by the river, Milwaukee River, and we just father-son type stuff and clean my house a little bit. And unfortunately, uh, work kind of carried over into the weekend. I had to like watch and rewatch things with the Kyle Rittenhouse trial and work on a piece that published this morning that I actually interviewed Kyle for. Kyle Johnson. We have two yeah. Kyles. We, we have to be careful about that. <laughs> and, uh, and uh, that was kind of the dimensions of my weekend. I try to keep weekends, just do nothing, chill, simple, because the weekday is always so crazy with me. How about y'all? I've been on a health kick recently. I've actually been doing pretty damn good for like the last two months. And uh, I went for a long walk. Uh, at the lake at Veterans Park. That was really good. I forget how important walking is to mental health, but it really is, you know, so get out there and walk while we have like some nice days for the next four days or something. Uh, and I ate well too, you know, I'm becoming like a little minor chef, you know, I had some lamb chops and couscous, you know, so your boy was, a, it was a good weekend for your boy. Got over and see the moms. Checked in with the nieces and nephews. Yeah, this is like a perfect fall weekend. So it was awesome. That's what's up. Um, work for me also carried over into the weekend. So y'all know I'm leading the Movement Politics Academy um, that trains and develops folks interested in being in our political sector. Um, so folks that are interested in running for office and are down to hold our movement at the core of their campaign and bid for office. Um, And then I also participated in um, the Bet on Us Wisconsin program. So Bet on Us is put on by Working Families Party, hosted by Priscilla Bort. Shout out to Priscilla. She's super dope. 
but um, she launched this program to train individuals that are interested in working on campaigns. So this was specifically for BIPOC women, transgender folks, and non-binary activists. Um, and it was done in collaboration with us, Citizen Action, Lit, um, and Black, as well as Voces de la Frontera. And so they had like their graduation ceremony on Saturday. So I was really happy to participate in that and like spend a couple hours of my Saturday with uh, the Bet on Us graduates and Priscilla. Kyle, how was your weekend? Oh, my weekend was, uh, it was crazy. It's been a blur these past couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of stuff going on with the school board here in Kenosha, you know, um, Moms Demand Liberty organizing around here to, to defund pretty much our, our school system, which is never the right way to go. So we had to hand them a big L on that, which that's checked off the list. But um, now tonight we have a, a huge meeting to restore school board salaries, which is not even a high level anyway. It's like $6,000, but they lowered it to $100 per in-person meeting. So if they met virtually, they didn't get anything. Um, you know, it's big for us to fight that because, you know, if folks want to serve on the school board, they shouldn't have to be millionaires to do it. $6,000 goes a long way for for a middle-class person. For me, if I got $6,000, it'd be huge. So also my sister had a baby, so that was big. I'm an uncle again, second time. Oh, congratulations. Um, for her whole bunch, but yes. yeah. And, and I'm also trying to get out my workout stuff too. So like Raph said, you know, I'm feeling a little sore. I was doing some pull-ups earlier, but hopefully I can uh, get this body right for summer 2022. Man, summer 2022, bro. There we go. Hot boy summer. Hot boy summer. Hot boy summer, summer 2022. Be on lookout. You know, Kyle, uh, just out of curiosity, um, uh, before we hop into the trial, you know, with with the school board stuff that you just mentioned, I was just curious, was there much uh, organizing or people people at the school board meetings kind of uh, making their presence known either for or against whatever was going on. Um, and I only say that just because I it was recently brought to my attention at the feds, the FBI uh, are uh, going to be essentially making a new program where they're going to be like, it, 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 it revolves around training school board meetings and members for threats and people who go there and protest and stuff like that so it seems like there's some focus on that from the federal government so i was just curious if if uh you know what just if you could say a little bit about what those meetings are like basically yeah i haven't attended a lot of them to be fully transparent there's only a couple but the ones i have been at um i've been contentious uh even virtually so i would say uh, actually, back in September, a meeting got shut down because folks who were anti-maskers flooded the meeting um, and wouldn't, you know, allow it to be called to order or anything. So they actually just had to had to close that meeting down. The Education Justice Coalition is the group of folks I've been working with. That includes, you know, uh, concerned community members, parents, um, the KEA, which is the Kenosha Education Association, Lock Leaders of Kenosha, Lock. Um, and we've been fighting for the school system, for, for the teachers, for the kids, safe environment for them. We need to make sure they are fully funded and we need to make sure our, our, our school board and our local elected leaders are getting paid, even if it's the crumbs that they get right now. But yeah, the meetings have been, they've been crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for uh, mentioning that. It, I, I don't know if Ralphie or Joanna uh, had any thoughts come up while, while those comments were being made. 
No, I just, it's wild the way the school board races have been extremely politicized, you know, um, they, we just had the, the recall election too in Mequon and Beansville. And um, thankfully they did not take out our, the leaders that were, are elected and doing good things. But it's just mm-hmm. wild to me how much, you know, the left has politicized school boards and like how much they're getting involved and the boatloads of money that they're dropping into these elections. Um, I have a couple of folks that are participating in the Movement Politics Academy that are running for school board um, in the Appleton area and Wausau area this spring. And like one of their biggest things is just the nerves around um, the left and the GOP rhetoric that is going to be coming out and coming after them. I mean, it is a, uh, the right has decided to make a, it was been a, a battlefield, but it's really a particular battlefield now with the fight over the historical narratives, right? Uh, with uh, uh, critical race theory, right? So it's definitely something that folks who are in it, you know, the dominant narrative is important because it really shapes policy moving forward. If you got people really believing that, uh, <laughs> you know, challenging the validity of uh, Jim Crow or slavery or things like that. And, it, and we can't teach that in schools because it makes some white kid, uh, you know, feel bad about themselves. A lot of policy, future policy is going to be produced by that mindset. So it's not surprising to me that it's now uh, the school board race has been politicized because right now, I think it's that's what we're really talking about is a, a fight over the historical narrative of this country. Right. And are we going to just buy the, the, the line that America is centralism and this is a great country from beginning to end. Right. Without taking account the, the genocide of uh, our neighbor brothers and sisters and uh, the enslavement of black and brown folks. And, you know, just um, yeah. So I, I, I'm not surprised about it because we got to have this conversation. We got to have this back and forth. Yeah. And, you know, obviously right now, uh, right now that that conversation continues to uh, manifest in all kinds of different ways. And I think not only, you know, the Kyle Rittenhouse trial, but other trials going on outside of say like the Ahmaud Arbery trial, these, these kinds of things, um, you know, remind particularly minority communities and people of color that, you know, these are kind of recurring echoes that keep happening, keep manifesting over time. And, uh, you know, Kyle Johnson, you're, you're a Kenosha resident. And, um, and I wanted to ask you kind of what, uh, you know, obviously we talked about this a couple of days ago, actually, but kind of what's it been like in uh, Kenosha as the Rittenhouse trial is kind of, uh, kind of played out and, being a Kenosha resident, you know, uh, did you kind of see some of this coming, not just, not just Rittenhouse, but with Jacob Blake and et cetera? Um, I mean, to start off, it's tense. It's tense around here. I mean, Kenosha, it seems like it's a powder keg. Like the tension's palpable in the community. You can feel it when you walk into a store. You know, folks are on edge. And I would say a good portion of the community this trial started off on the wrong foot, whether that was the judge playing Jeopardy with the jury pool, whether that's the fact that only one person of color ended up on the jury, uh, whether that's the joke that one of the jurors that made it through the process ended up making about Jacob Blake, you know, all these different things that you can already see, whether it's, you know, Judge Schroeder not allowing um, the prosecution to refer to Anthony Huber, uh, Jojo Rosenbaum, um, as, as victims, you know, it's all these things that, you know, subtle things that 
are already setting the scene that we want justice, but are we going to get it? Mm-hmm. Will this be the time? But it's tense. And uh, I would say for folks around here, you know, I haven't been able to to watch every second of the trial because I've been organizing around a lot of it. But I think at the end of the day, no matter whether you're, you know, a progressive, a far left, you know, communist, you know, in Kenosha, socialist, or if you're someone on the far right in Kenosha, if you live in this community, those two sides aren't agree on 99% of things. I think one per- the 1% lies in the fact that we don't want to see this community burn. Mm-hmm. We don't want to see any more blood shed in this community. I don't want to see any more people die two blocks away from me. I don't want to see a mattress store outside of my house burn down again. Nobody wants mm-hmm. to see that. So how, like, how, we, how can we find that common ground to, to message out to our sides from whoever's coming in outside of Kenosha, whether you know they want to have their voices heard, which is understandable. But how can we do so in a peaceful manner? How can we do so where it's not going to lead to more violence, which is something I, I'm always cognizant of avoiding? Right. Ralphie, were you going to? Yeah, let me ask a quick question. <laughs> I think I might know the answer to this question, but I'm interested to hear from somebody that's actually on the ground. How different has the treatment of Kyle Wernhaus uh, this whole process, him running through the police barricade with his hands up with a military uh, AR around his neck, him yeah. allowing to go home, right? Like just his jury election, that's like, how different has his experience been from what would you say, a uh, African American male in Kenosha? The difference maybe treatment. maybe it would have yeah, especially if that person had committed a double homicide allegedly. I mean, I think we can the the, the like you say you already know the answer. The easiest parallel is to look at what happened with Jacob Blake in the community of Kenosha, <laughs> a man who did not shoot anybody, did not cause physical harm to anybody, and then what happened to Kyle Rittenhouse, who did shoot three people, killed two of them and then walked past police and was able to go free that night and maybe go rest in his own bed while Jacob Blake was paralyzed from his interaction with the cops. So, like, that's that's instant. I mean, and Russian sense shits, he's still on the force. That's the thing. The cop that mm-hmm. shot Jacob Blake seven times in the back is still on the force. No, no reprimand. He's not fired. Like, he was suspended, but that was for losing his gun while he was on leave. That wasn't for anything he did to another human being by the name of Jacob Blake. And he's still he's still serving. So I don't feel safe as a black community, a man in this community, not only because of the Rittenhouse stuff, but because of the, the state side too. like the, the city of Kenosha is endorsing what happened with Jacob Blake by allowing this man to continue to serve. It's so many times we get to see it. But I think this was one of the most explicit times where you got to just see the inherent contradictions of American white supremacy capitalist society. Right. Like, you know, you saw what happened with. Jacob Blake, and then I never in my life could imagine a brother up to the police with a car 15 after shooting three people and not only allowed to go home, but cross state lines. Right. right? Like, this is that was just such a, a prime example of the two tier system right, that we have in America, right? And who is treated and who is granted certain privileges and who, are, who isn't, right? And I thought it was so clear to me in that moment that, you know, we always have moments pop up on the scene where it's like a clear example of um, white privilege, 
But sure. that was just, it was almost laughable how clear that was, right? Like this dude just ran past police after shot three people, was able to cross the lines, you know, and was able to get $2 million. People raised $2 million around his his so-called victimization. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what made it, I mean, it was messed, uh, messed up an interesting issue anyways, but it was really, it was like a social experiment performed in real time. And uh, not that it was going to ever change the dominant narrative, right? We always going to find people who try to find a way not to, like, dismiss racism, right? Like, that's not racist, right? But it was, I was like, how, how could you in that situation? Like, how could you, right? How could you? Like you're saying, every step that Kyle Reynolds has been through, you can, it's, it's, it's really like a case study about how white people experience America and the justice system and how Black folks do. Because like you said, Kyle Reynolds committed a crime, was able to walk past police, go home that night or wherever he went. Then he's taken a custody, custody, immediately gets support, $2 million. Khalif Browder ended up committing suicide because he sat in Rikers Island for what, three years? Right. For a bail that was, I believe, under $50. And Kyle House had, had bails $2 million instantly taken care of. He was able to not report where he was staying to the, to the DA, and that was fine. Black folks do that. That's a whole issue. Your right, your bail's right. getting revoked. You go into prison. It's like every single step you like you're saying is playing even out. down to the point of the language we used, right? Like, who is granted um, childhood, right? Tamir Rice was a 12 year old kid who was playing with a toy gun, and the cops rolled up on him and shot. It was people calling him a young man, using young man, man to describe him. It was so many people calling Kyle Rinhouse a kid, right? Mm-hmm. A kid. Right, so a child, a child, right? Exactly, and it's it's a it's an interesting who is afforded that type of innocence and who isn't, right? So it happens right in in our backyard, right? You you live in Kenosha, right? We were like what twenty to forty minutes away from Kenosha, but this this is just a a huge example, or what you said, a case study of America, right? Mm -hmm. This is America. Who is granted that that privilege, right? Who is granted innocence and who is granted humanity? And I think, uh, you know, Kyle Rittenhouse is on trial, but the system overall is on trial too. Can we really provide justice equally in this country? That's the thing. Now with this system, we can't. I mean, we can't. We can't because they don't view us. We don't get that same innocence. It goes. It goes back to the founding that we weren't viewed as as people. As soon as we hit, you know, whether it's eight, nine years old, that's when we start to be looked at as, oh, these are young men. They're a threat. They're, they're something to be defended against, not embraced and nurtured. Yeah. And a 17-year-old white, white young man bordering on to being an adult by all legal definition can shoot three people and walk and walk away. Yeah. What are the what are the exact charges that he is facing? Do y'all know Isaiah or Kyle? I am going to double check the exact charges because they may have shifted since when he was initially charged. Um, and it would be nice to provide, uh, you know, obviously the uh, the uh, the uh, Kyle Rittenhouse trial is being watched around is being watched around the world, and 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 I and I take that with some pros and cons, I guess. Uh, and, and by that, I mean that there are a lot of media, out, some media outlets who I actually had used to have more respect for, who 
seem to only mention Wisconsin uh, if Kyle Rittenhouse's name is attached to the story somehow. Um, and I find that a little unfortunate, but I, I do, obviously it is an important, um, obviously it is an important trial. But like, okay, so, you know, the point of people like watch, uh, you know, like uh, everyone watching this, this trial is that, you know, a lot of people watching this trial, not everyone may be uh, familiar with the, uh, with uh, the uh, ins and outs. Um, Kyle Rittenhouse is facing charges of a first degree reckless homicide and a use of a, of a dangerous weapon. That's according to a uh, ABC News article uh, published November 2nd, 2021. And if you don't mind, I, I'd, I'd like to just give just a little summary context of this of this situation. So obviously, uh, I believe it was on August 23rd, 2020, that uh, Jacob Blake was shot uh, by a Kenosha police officer, uh, Rustin Chansky, uh, during what the police describe as essentially a, a domestic violence or dispute type call that they're responding to. Um, and uh, Blake was shot in the back seven times uh, while he was getting into a uh, car or a truck uh, 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 with his children in the back. So his children would have actually watched that shooting. Blake survived the shooting. Obviously, he was left paralyzed and he's he's been going through rehab and et cetera since then. But in the nights after the Blake shooting, of course, there's protests. Some of them devolve into civil unrest. And uh, and uh, I was down on Kenosha, uh, down on the ground in Kenosha on August 24th. And I filmed a lot of the uh, some of the clashes that were happening with the Kenosha Police Department and, and protesters and other people who had shown up. There was a curfew. Obviously, no one is allowed to be outside you can catch a ticket or arrest if you're outside um uh officers were uh 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 even um at least once shot a uh, tear gas canister like around the media pool where everyone was kind of off to the side so there is kind of this aggressiveness to it some of it was defensive and like i will say that some of it because I was in Kenosha and I was also in Wauwatosa and uh, for like those curfews and compared to those two, um, the uh, 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 there was some more defensive posture uh, with the Kenosha Police Department, but there were snatch so-called snatch teams officers and on my cars picking people off, you know, certain activists, etc. And 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 as all this is playing out. Um, what essentially amount to right-wing elements uh, organized under a Facebook page called the Kenosha Guard. And their whole premise was to come down to Kenosha armed in groups and either some of them say they wanted to protect businesses, other people kind of made open comments that they wanted to confront or, you know, hurt protesters and that kind of thing. Uh, and amongst this call to action comes 17-year-old Kyle Rittenhouse from uh, Illinois. He crossed state lines allegedly with a, sorry, he crossed state lines with an allegedly illegally obtained uh, AR-15 style rifle, um, which had been bought by another person, Dominic Black, and um, provided to him uh, because Kyle was not old enough to actually purchase such a weapon. He, uh, he uh, went up to Kenosha with uh, several other people, uh, and uh, apparently, once again, uh, according to his side of the story, to protect businesses and stuff like that, uh, a particular uh, car lot, I think it was. 
Um, Kyle Rittenhouse uh, is filmed uh, and his group is filmed. Uh, a armored police vehicle pulls up uh, and offers them water and offers them praise saying, thank you for being here and that kind of stuff, uh, uh, which goes to this issue of how close the militia and the police were working together. And actually the Milwaukee, the, Milwaukee, the uh, Wisconsin Examiner has actually, uh, we published an article uh, some months ago where we obtained documents, uh, internal text messages and stuff from Kenosha officers where they're referring to these militia groups as friendly, where they're approaching them and not arresting them for curfew, not telling them to go home, which is what they should have been doing. Um, and they were aware of reports uh, that these groups were, ask, were actually escalating, meaning that they were half an hour before Kyle Rittenhouse actually the shooting happens. Uh, the police were receiving reports that these so-called counter-protesters were driving around slashing tires of Black Lives Matter protesters uh, and doing other things like that. They were escalating. And then half an hour before Kyle Rittenhouse, uh, the uh, Kyle Rittenhouse shooting happens. So obviously, so Rittenhouse uh, 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 killed two people. He killed uh, Joseph Rosenbaum and as well as Anthony Huber, another individual, Gage Grosschek. Beck, I think is how you pronounce his uh, last name, was shot in the arm, lost 90% of his uh, right bice, uh, of uh, his, his bicep. And then there is another individual who is referred to as Jump Kick Man, um, because essentially what happened was there was a confrontation in front of this lot that Kyle and these other militia people were, uh, were around. And uh, these pro a group of protesters walk up and you see this in the trial video. Uh, they uh, walk up because uh, uh, according to them, someone had been shining a green laser sight on them. That was, a, that they believed was attached to one of these rifles. So they were trying to find who was aiming at them long distance. And you can actually see one of the militia or one of these armed groups, whoever, whatever you want to refer to them as since in the trial, you're not really supposed to refer to them as militia, according to this judge, you actually see one of them uh, up on a roof and they drop what appears to be like a gas canister or something down in this group of protesters. And that kind of causes a bit of an argument. And in this, uh, Rosenbaum, uh, is, uh, 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 it's within this course of events that uh, Rosenbaum becomes the first person shot by Rittenhouse. Um, and uh, then Rittenhouse runs up the street. People are yelling, saying, hey, uh, this person shot someone, this person shot someone. And uh, in what the prosecution has described as an attempt to disarm what they believe was an, act, was an active shooter, Anthony Huber, uh, uh, approaches Rittenhouse. And uh, you can see him on video. Uh, hits him in that, uh, you know, tries to use his skateboard to, to uh, defend himself or disarm Rittenhouse. He shot, then jump and comes in, tries to kick Rittenhouse. Uh, the fifth and sixth shots are directed at him. They were never able to find that guy. He actually uh, limps away and they were the police were never able to identify that guy. We don't know what happened to that guy. And I, and I say that, I, I make a particular note to that because there was an independent journalist who is who is kind of following the trail of this alleged fourth victim and he kept writing articles about it and the Kenosha Police Department made a press release singling him out to discredit him said that he was pushing dangerous conspiracy theories and things like that and now they're testifying that actually there was this this fourth individual involved they just can't find them 
Uh, and uh, there have been a couple of things that happened uh, that, that have happened in the trial itself. The judge, uh, obviously, uh, you can't has said that you can't refer to the people who Kyle shot as victims. You can only refer to them as rioters, looters, or arsonists, but the defense has to provide evidence of that. There have been a couple of times where the judge has called conveniently for breaks once about a minute after the the fourth victim is is first mentioned by a Kenosha detective, uh, Detective Howard, about a minute and some seconds after that, judge calls for a break. Uh, and then Anthony Huber's granddaunt was testifying later on, saying, uh, talking about the last time she saw him, the fact that Huber actually uh, knew Jacob Blake to some degree and et cetera, just decides to call for a break. And then also there is this joke uh, that one of the jurors said to a deputy outside. And he said, uh, allegedly, the joke went, uh, why did the Kenosha Police Department only shoot Jacob Blake seven times because they ran out of bullets? Ha, 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 ha. The, the deputy told the judge the next day the juror was excused, but they didn't want to say that the juror was offered a chance by the judge to say what that joke was. And they didn't want to say it. All they would say was that, well, it doesn't involve Kyle. So I don't know why I'm getting excused. Shortly after that, another juror was excused for pregnancy issues. Um, so there, uh, you know, there, 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 there's all this back and forth uh, going on with the trial. And, and the judge has said several times that the public has to have confidence in this trial. It's important for the community and it's important for the country. But, I mean, obviously, there's all this stuff going on. So I was, it, I was like, let me ask you a quick yeah. question. What, what is the what's the current demographic makeup of the of the jury? I uh, originally the jury only included one African-American. Um, uh, one, 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 a person of color, uh, similar to the Ahmaud Aubrey trial in Georgia, I believe that's in Georgia, uh, mm-hmm. uh, where there's, where it's a similar situation of, of, um, overwhelmingly like, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, like the jury there, there's, there's, there's no people of color. There, there's very few, if any people of color on, on that jury. So, um, and then, of course, a lot of the evidence for the militias and the police cooperation stuff, there's things that are not being allowed in this trial, you know, um, that people bring to question. So, Isaiah, I'm so glad that you like did that run through of like where we were and like how we got to where we're at right now. I, one thing that just kind of stuck out to me. Are you saying that the two individuals that were murdered are not allowed to be referred to as victims? Yeah, there. Yeah, there's. Um. Yeah, the. Uh. Yeah, and in fact, I have a quote loaded. There we go. Control F, everyone. And whenever you need to search an article for keywords, press Control F, and you can search the page. Anyways, there you go. Tips from uh, the journalist. The, the. Uh. The. Uh. So the article that that we published this morning in the Examiner. Um. There's a quote from the judge where he's actually describing. It. He says, "Quote: The word victim is a is a loaded, loaded word, and I think alleged victim is a cousin to it." Uh, end quote. And uh, he says later that the defense can actually quote demonize the people who uh, demonize them, meaning the people who Rittenhouse shot, uh, if he wants to, uh, if he thinks he, meaning the defense attorney, uh, if he thinks it will win points with the jury. So according to the judge, the word victim is such a loaded word that it shouldn't be uh, allowed. But uh, but if I'm correct, Isaiah, you can't. That- it can be called looters, right? Looters and rioters, right? Looters, rioters, and arsonists. But the defense uh, has to provide evidence. I, I don't think 
prove it, just provide evidence that these individuals were any of those words. Um, <laughs> let me let me let me ask Kyle uh, a question. I think this is a. I think we're in a real uh, weird spot in our movement, right? Like last year, we had millions in the street, right? Mm-hmm. But that was also like coming out of being you know, locked in the house for like months, right? And people, not I don't want to say we're looking for a reason to flood the streets, but it was a I, that was part of why we saw such so many people on the street. Sure. And I've been really thinking about the movement and is it sustainable? Right, all that momentum, where did it go? Right, and I also think about our allyship, right? Where people call themselves allies and they throw a Black Lives Matter sign in their yard, and they, you know, mm-hmm. when you think about that and like what was in the streets last year, and then what folks are talking about now in the conversations, do you still feel that same type of energy, momentum, uh, and people's understanding? conversations around the not just Jacob Blake but the Red House George Floyd right or have people have received it back into pre-COVID you know uh you know um incrementally when it comes to yeah complacency around uh uh, something like Jacob Blake and Kyle Rittenhouse you know where do you how do you feel about the support (laughs) I guess is what I'm looking for that you I would say it's a, it's a it's a decent mix. I mean, at least in this community, um, I think there are folks who are performative allies. There's no doubt about it. You know, they they're gonna change their Facebook profile to say Black Lives Matter. Uh, they're gonna they're gonna be out there at the marches the first day. You know, maybe mm-hmm. the first couple of days. Um, but the energy's still here. I mean, at, at least in Kenosha, I think folks one burnt out it's a pandemic you know like george floyd happened you had you know brianna taylor you had uh arbury Ahmaud arbury you had jacob blake you know there's a toll that comes along with that and i think people are trying to figure out how to deal with that too but the energy's still there this movement's sustainable and i think it really just relies upon the leaders the organizers in the area the folks that do see wrong and want to address it standing up and providing that for folks i mean we know what the brownie is. The brownie is uh, an environment, a world where Black communities can thrive without without state-sponsored occupation of our communities by police. You know that's that's the brownie. But folks need to see the recipe, and that's this that's something I saw from Rebecca Lynch uh, over at Olin, Wisconsin. But folks need to see the recipe. How do we get there? What's the plan? What's the strategy? Are we out marching in the streets? Okay, that's great. But for what? What policy follows after that? What referendums can we call? What ballot initiatives? Who can we fire and kick out of office and get in here? Who, who, who gives a fuck? You know what I mean? So the energy's there. We just got to tap into it. And let me ask a uh, follow up to that because, you know, you you live in one of these historical hotspots, right? Like, you know, Ferguson, Kenosha, like these places where, see, um, Minneapolis, right? Where, where movement met movement and something happened. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. And when that happens, a lot of people from the outside comes in, like nonprofit industry comes in and, you know, people co-opt the movement. Right. Without yeah. actually asking what is needed. Right. So in this moment, right, we probably about a week or two from the verdict. Right. And we don't know what will happen um, if it's a not guilty verdict. 
So before that even happens, right, I want to ask you, what does Kenosha need from the people on the outside when it looks when it comes to support or stay the hell out? You know, let us do this. Like what before people come in and take over what, what is being built there, how can we be supportive in this moment and what is needed? I mean, there's there's an organizational difference in, in Kenosha, and that's been part of the problem, is that there, there hasn't been a lot of organizations here doing the work. Um, and that's that's a making of both the city itself, the county not funding certain things, and organizations just not viewing as a priority. Um, but I would say what we need is, uh, you know, support from folks, whether it's organizations investing time, investing resources um, into the community, you know, come here, put organizers on the ground. If you're a nonprofit, if you do advocacy work, um, if, you, if you do work that um, is for directly impacted people, please reach out to some some aldermen and see how you can provide mental health resources in some way, some manner. But I would say for the folks that want to are following this trial and are curious on, you know, what to do if uh, if Renhouse is acquitted or if he's found guilty and you want to have your voice heard, definitely we, 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 this is America. We can't tell you it's whether to come in our community or not. But what we can ask is please, please like check in with folks. Like we're going to have, we're going to have a lot planned um, calls to action. We're going to have a lot of marches. We're going to have some press conferences. We're going to have different things, listening sessions. We're doing these things to uplift our community, to allow folks a safe, but also an effective way to have their voices heard, whether, you know, it's it's that cry of jubilation because we got justice, not true justice, because that'll never happen because Anthony and JoJo aren't coming back and Jacob Blake will never be able to walk again. But justice in a, in a sense, or if it's us voicing our frustration because we didn't get justice again, it happens over and over. We're going to do we're going to do this in the right way. We're going to make sure folks are safe. That's the least we can do in memory of Anthony and JoJo. Um, so please keep an eye on your calendars. We're gonna we're gonna be doing uh, a lot of different events. We're gonna have on Facebook. We're gonna have on Mobilize. Um, but please attend our events because we're, we want to provide a safe space for folks, and we're always gonna that's always gonna be at the top of our priority list. But we definitely we definitely want folks to to come out and have their voices heard. And please march with us and amplify definitely. That's great. I think that on this podcast, we're always trying to encourage folks to get active. Right? We're always talking about organizing figure out what organization you can get in touch with. So there y'all have heard it. Um, and make sure you keep an eye out on Kenosha, figure out where you need to show up and when you need to be there. Um, we definitely, uh, you know, are in search of the justice that's still available to us, right? And that is for Kyle Rittenhouse to be held accountable for what he did, right? These individuals are no longer with us, right? Like lives have been lost. Um, yeah, Anthony taking, and Jojo, yeah. right? Like, yeah, the taking of they, life is serious. You know, these are yeah. human lives, regardless of if you agree with why they're out there or not. These are, um, you know, the taking of life is serious for anyone. Right. Those families deserve um, answers and they deserve, you know, some sort of comfort in knowing that, um, the person that you know killed the person their family is is being held accountable for those actions. Kyle, thanks so much for being with us. Um, I know that you're for having me. Yeah. Yeah. We're happy uh, to like hold this conversation and like continue the conversation in any way we, that we can and provide a platform for this because um we need to make sure that we're centering this. This is huge. 
Yeah. And Joanna, if I, you know, before we close, I just wanted to uh, touch on just a couple, just a, just a couple of small things. Um, uh, you know, part of it is in, and and uh, Kyle Johnson, uh, uh, who is our guest, uh, we, we had talked about this for our interview, or, or at least you mentioned it. There's kind of this double whammy with uh, the Kenosha issue, because on the one hand, you have the Jacob, the Jacob Blake shooting where the officer was found uh to uh you know no charges were issued against the officer and then the justice the federal justice department closed a review into that shooting in october uh mm-hmm. and then on on the other hand so there's the police part of it but then you have this growing militia uh, or armed group angle which uh you know depending on the cow the verdict of the coward house trial could be empowered or uh or, or kind of or, or a disempowered or emboldened or a emboldened or not emboldened, you know, um, yeah. that that's kind of the weighing of that. Um, and then just, you know, obviously, you know, comparing cases, you know, um, Kyle Rittenhouse, 17 years old, uh, had an illegally obtained, allegedly illegally, illegally obtained firearm, killed two people, wounded at least one, walked up to the cops. And that's what we were talking about earlier, walked up to the cops, uh, the line of police and were t- and was allowed to leave the scene and actually make it back across state lines eventually and go home. Uh, I'm looking in police documents and I see endless surveillance, social media and everything else on Black Lives Matter people. They knew people's movements. They, they knew when people were on their way to Kenosha from Milwaukee, but there's like, they didn't know what happened to Kyle Rittenhouse. You know, you can look at the Alvin Cole shooting, both 17 years old, both armed with things that they shouldn't have had. One is dead uh, and the uh, and and the other wasn't even taken into custody. So these are the 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 disconnects that people talk about and people feel. Um, and I just wanted to um, raise attention to that part of it as well. Definitely. And I think I think Raph said the best is that, you know, this is Kenosha, unfortunately, love is a microcosm of America right now where we're at and where one section of America wants to take us and all the CRT nonsense and not teaching our true history. They want to forget about it and move on and preserve white supremacy, white, white power. Um, and that's playing out here, both state, state institutional wise with the KPD and on the militia side with Kyle Rittenhouse. So, you know, we're going to keep on organizing. We're going to keep on fighting and we're going to keep calling for justice. Thank so you all me. I ask before we, uh, we leave is, can we check in a couple weeks? You know, I hate to put our guests on the spot, you know what I mean? But let's definitely check back in after the verdict and see, you know, where we are, right? Because I think this is uh, one of those uh, touch points in our in our history as a as a society, right? Like I said earlier, I think not only is uh, Kyle Rittenhouse on trial, but I think the American system is on trial, right? This is a, one of the clearest case of, uh, of the contradiction between whiteness, how whiteness is treated by the criminal justice system and everyone else, right? So uh, I just would love to check in with you and talk about what is happening on the ground. And For sure. No, I'm definitely, I'm committed to that. We got to check in. Um, I did want to uplift a couple of things I've, I've had with, uh, I've heard from other organizers. Um, but there's going to be something uh, this coming up on this Saturday. Um, it's going to be a day of action. Um, stay tuned. We're not going to, we're not going to be releasing any location details for safety purposes, but this Saturday sometime around one o'clock, 
Um, it'll be happening in Kenosha, and we're also looking to have things happen across the state and hopefully the country as well to uplift um, Anthony and Jojo's memory. But, you know, I really, I'm really hoping deep down that we get this justice for, for them on uh, that Rittenhouse is convicted, because if we don't, it sets this precedent of vigilantes from militia can roll into towns, cross state lines, carry guns, protect businesses, and then get off. And that's not a precedent that I don't think we should set here because if that does happen, Kenosha, Kenosha becomes a sundown town. And that's something that another, uh, that Justin Blake actually said, I think is, is so true. Like, what do we do if he, if he's let go, he's let off. It's a sundown town because I'm not going to feel safe walking around Kenosha at night because we have cops on the force that shoot black men in the back. And we have militia men that can roll around the community with impunity and shoot people too. So where does that leave the black folks in this community? And also detain people. There's a lot of reports of, you know, militia detaining people, militia doing all kinds of things those nights, militia hunting people, slashing tires, making sure people couldn't leave. Um, yeah. That's very real. All right, Kyle, thanks so much. Thanks y'all for listening in. This is the This Is Not That podcast. We'll be back um, with another episode in a few weeks and we'll definitely have Kyle yeah. back on in the future. Peace out, y'all. Later. Later. Jojo. Later. May they rest. <laughs>